guys, welcome back to the Big Girl Things podcast. It's Laura here, your host, and today we'll be talking about relationships. When is it the right time to move in together? This is an interesting topic to talk about. I feel like everyone has a different opinion based on their own stories, about what's worked for them in the past. And for that very fact, I think it's a brilliant topic to just share some raw and honest opinions and challenge some views as well. I won't take credit for thinking of this topic. Um, I was actually talking to a friend a while ago and I was brainstorming some topics out loud on relationships and credit to her for thinking of this brilliant topic. So thank you. As always, Google is my best friend when it comes to figuring out what society is telling us about the certain topics. So what Google is telling, society is telling us about when the right time is to move in together, according to glamour.com, of course, that's always a reputable source. There are 18 points, but I guess I'll only name a couple. Number one, you've agreed on a budget. Number two, you're not doing it to save money. Number three, you're already practiced, you've already practiced cohabiting. Number four, your schedules are compatible. Number five, you regularly talk about your finance. Number six, you successfully taken trip together, trips together. You can number seven, you can deal with each other's mess. Alright, I'm not sure how what you guys feel about that, um, but I think that that is a terrible way to f- to figure out if you guys are ready to move in together or not. It sounds like you're picking a business partner instead of a relationship, an intimate relationship partner where nothing in there talks about emotions and how you actually are with each other. So I think it'd be a right time to give you guys my points on what is it, when is it the right time to move in together? My point number one is when you're able to have mature disagreements. Number two is when you're, you feel comfortable sharing your honest emotions or thoughts with your partner. And point number three is when you're able to be happy on your own. All right, let's get sidetracked for a bit. I kind of want to have a little chit chat with you guys. So a little bit about where I am today as I record this podcast for you guys. I've finished phase one. Um, if you guys have been following the, the, the podcast, you know that I was doing 75 Heart and I did phase one, which is part of the Live Heart program by Andy Frisella. So currently done with that. I'm really, really happy. And I think I've learned so many things about myself. But more importantly, he's reminded me to be grounded. And which leads me to today's gratitude sharing is that I'm really, really grateful for all of the audio content, podcasts, audiobooks that I've been listening to and that we have access to in this day and age that whenever we're stuck in our own heads or we're facing a problem it's so much easier to just turn to someone who we look up to and and ask them literally type into google like what should I do in this situation or read a book about uh, what's going on in your head about meditation about life about relationships and I'm so so grateful because that those are the sources that have guided me through all of my tough times. And, and so I prompt you to think about one thing that you're grateful for as well, whether it's this week or whether it's today. Give it a go and you'll be surprised at how the tone of your day can dramatically change. 
So without further ado, let's get right back into the podcast. All right, to start answering the question of when is the right time to start moving in together is point number one, when you're able to have mature disagreements. I can't begin to explain how important this is that by not having by having immature disagreements how seriously that can damage your relationship right let's start out with how many of you guys out there actually enjoy arguing with your partners and if you're going to just say yes for the sake of saying yes well then you should not you really shouldn't be in that relationship should you it's not really for the right reasons if you love arguing with your partner relationship shouldn't be about winning the argument you two are a team if you know if think about it this way your family is like a sports team that you've put together wouldn't you want your best supporters in your team people who are there for you who will cheer for you who you know are on your side so if we've got partners that we're constantly having arguments with or disagreements with i think it's it goes back to the fact that you might have opposing values and that's a big thing um i've mentioned in the previous podcast before as an example if you're someone who wants to go left and your partner wants to go right both of you together it's it's very difficult to want to go in the same direction now saying that it's like if you're someone who's really driven and you love your outgoing, you love achieving, you love eating healthy, you love doing all of these things that are good for you, meditation, you're drawn to to good, healthy, supportive people, whereas your partner is always constantly gossiping about other people, is lazy or has gotten lazy and is prone to complaining about life and not wanting to do anything about it, likes to stay home. Um, play games you know things like that not that there's anything wrong with the both of you it's just you're not aligned in that case you might have fallen in love with each other due to chemistry or certain experiences that brought you guys together how it's very difficult to go in the same direction when you have such opposing values but I'm also not saying that it's not possible to have a loving relationship with someone who's seemingly by you know completely opposite from you i think that's where learning how to disagree in more mature ways is really really important i don't know about you guys but i didn't have a the best example of a loving relationship when i grew up dad was the really silent or the blow up kind of person so he'd be really really quiet until he can't take it and then he'll blow up at you um and mom was the loving affectionate and she had she always spoke her mind and those two characters did not go very well together. There was a lot of chaos <laughs> at home. But, um, sorry, mom and dad, but me and my mom, we speak about this often and I am completely understanding that they've done the best that they could with whatever knowledge that they had at the time. However, that relationship does not have to be something that I inherit into my own. Right? I have the option and the choice to change who I am. But the point was that not a lot of us have shining examples of relationships, of how to deal with disagreements maturely when we were growing up. And learning how to disagree maturely is not really something that we actually actively learn how to do better. It's something that we take for granted and hope that we get better with 
over time, which unfortunately is not the case with a lot of anything to do with emotions. If you don't work on it, it's not going to get better. It's just going to show up in a different way, right? Either angrier, even more emotional. It just doesn't get better. So with how can you start with identifying what's an immature disagreement, right? An immature disagreement, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call you immature if you have these types of agreement, disagreements. It's just that we haven't yet learned how to do it the other way around. And these are just the types of unhealthy disagreements because it leaves everyone in pain, leaves everyone hurt and in tears. So I don't like those type of agreements. If you don't like it either, <laughs> let's try to identify it and look at it ob- objectively of how we can make it better. So examples of immature disagreements are in the tone and the intention itself. So if, if an argument is very self-centered, like everything is I, 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 I feel this way, you make me feel this way, if it's guilt-tripping each other, um, if it's blaming the other person, you've done this to me, you've done that to make me feel this way, or raising voices at each other, that's an obvious sign. Or even the classic, completely opposite, classic silent treatment. I think when you look at these, when you look at these examples, you have to think to yourself, is this meant to heal or is this meant to kill? When I'm saying these things and I'm, am I wanting to say it out to heal this relationship or is it meant to hurt the other person, right? And the comments coming back at me, are they meant to heal this relationship or are they meant to hurt me? I know it's really, really difficult to just hold your tongue when you are really upset at someone, you just want to get your point across, they've hurt you so badly, how could you do this to me, how could you treat me this way? I know that this bit, this next bit that I'm asking you of is incredibly difficult, but if you can, don't argue when you're angry. That shit never, ever, ever works. And the reason why is because yelling at someone, demanding their attention and asking them to say sorry for what they've done doesn't work. Right? Imagine someone yelling at you to tell me you're sorry. Tell me that you know that you've hurt me. Right? Um, when has that ever worked? Will, are you going to say you're sorry? And will you actually say it sincerely? Which is usually the answer that we actually want. We want someone to be sincere when they apologize to us. Right? And the reason why that doesn't work is by yelling, you you heighten someone's fight, flight, or freeze mode. Right? It's our primal instinct to survive. If someone's being loud, if someone's a threat, we are going to either fight them, we are going to run away, or we are going to freeze. So either way, it's not going to get you the reaction and the answers that you want from your partner. So take a moment to yourself, go for a walk and come back and share your feelings, right? So I want to use an example of a mature disagreement. When you're thinking about it and when you take that walk by yourself think about it from your partner's point of view as well if I was my partner why do you think they would have done what they did why did they react the way that they did try to argue from their point of view let's say maybe it's an argument about that he never listens to you that he is always pretending like he's listening but he's really not there 
and you have that argument, right? So when you go on this little walk and time out by yourself, think, try to think of his point of view, his side of the argument and why he would be saying those things. So if you take his side, say, I listen to her. It's just that every time I tell, I give her some advice, she never listens to me. And every day she comes up with the same problem from work and I don't know what I'm meant to do. Like I want to listen and I try to act like I'm listening, but I already know the end of the story. So what is the point? What I don't get why she keeps telling me the same problem day after day. So in that instance, I guess what I'm trying to get at is when you start looking at things from the other person's point of view, you kind of understand that they also feel unheard. It's not that they don't care. He really cares about you. It's just that he doesn't know what's how what support that you need in that moment, right? So it's on us to share with them how I'd love to be treated instead. In this specific example, um, it's actually an example I've used from Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. It's a an absolutely incredible book helping you understand how men and women process information, how we care for each other, how we show each other love. And I guess on the other side of that is how do we have a mature disagreement? And again, it comes back to it's in the tone and intention, right? How, what is your tone like when you're telling somebody, I love you and I care for you? What is that tone like? Is it calm? Is it accepting? Is it giving? Is it loving? That's the tone that we need to use. And what's the intention? The intention should be to heal. To heal, to show this, tell this person how much I love you, but you've hurt me by doing this, um, saying this or by doing this, right? How can we make it better? What is the intention? Is it to make it better or is it to feel heard? Make that intention known. Say that I don't feel like you hear me. I really just want you to listen to me and support my views and tell me I've done a good job that I've tried really hard. And when you try to give me suggestions, it kind of makes me feel like you don't really respect that I've thought about this problem myself. I just want to be heard. I've tried really hard and I just want your love and support. All right, so this... The same situation could be handled in two very different ways. One is charged with emotion and the other one is out of love and care. At the end of it, ask yourself, is the intention to heal or is the intention to kill? And this leads us to point number two. When you feel comfortable sharing your honest emotions and thoughts with your partner. This is something really, really important when it comes to thinking about whether or not we're ready to move in with someone. Because one, think about it this way. When we are apart, we have the space and time to be exactly who we are with how we feel. When someone makes us angry, what do we do? Do we throw a temper? Do we go indulge ourselves in food? What do we do when we are alone? And when you come together as a couple, especially in the beginning, if it's still new, you'll feel like you need to show your partner the best sides of you. And so as a byproduct of that, we tend to sweep all of our negative emotions under the rug and pretend like everything's okay. Because at this time, we still have the we still have love, there's still, have chem- there's still chemistry, there's the newness of, oh, I've never felt this way before, this person's still the love of my life, and all of my, all of my negative emotions do not matter because they make me feel amazing. Right? And that's a really bad foundation to start to, to have with someone. And call me old-fashioned, but I hear my mom's 
words ringing in my head when I was 16 to 18. She used to tell me that you never move in with someone until you get married. That's the reason why it's hard. Um, it's you wait till marriage. You know, it's special. It's something you look forward to. Although I did not agree with her at the time. I used to challenge her and say, what if you don't like the person that they are at home? What if they're messy? What if you can't stand them? You love them as a person. We can't stand living with them. Wouldn't that be too late to wait till marriage? And... I'm thinking right now, I still hold my ground to say that I think it's still, you sh- I still agree with the fact that people should move in before marriage because it really does help you get to know your partner on a, on a different level, right? However, your relationship should be something that supports you, that makes you a better person. If that's not somebody who can organically share your feelings and your honest thoughts with that you feel like you've got to change the narrative every time it comes out of your mouth to to tell them how you feel then maybe maybe there's something not right there they're the person that you are seemingly supposed to come home to at the end of every day after you've given your best after you've either won or you lost the day you know you come home and you just want someone to accept you for exactly who you are and how you are. And you're meant to do that for the other person too. So if the foundation of the relationship is not set on being able to share your honest emotions and and thoughts with, then it's not going to be a really stable foundation. Whether you're 16, 18, 21, 25, 30, 35 in a relationship, I think it should be really important to be able to speak your mind, especially with your most intimate partner, someone who you are sharing your body and your thoughts and your soul and your space with. You know, it should be a safe space to be able to allow you to grow into the person that you need to become for yourself. And I'm going to quote Brene Brown in one of her books. Um, men, women, and worthiness, or women, men, and worthiness, um, it differentiates fitting in and belonging. So she says that we all are in search of groups of people and relationships that we belong in. However, we often mistake fitting in, fitting in for belonging. And let me explain how. Fitting in means giving up parts of yourself in order to change who you are to fit in with a group. And belonging is to find a group or a relationship or a person or an environment where you can show up as you are. So when we're looking for a partner and we are not expressing our true and honest emotions and thoughts, we are fitting in with our relationship. And ultimately, the only person that you are betraying is yourself. And that's a really, really scary thing to me. Aren't we in relationships to find true love and true belonging and true happiness? And in hindsight, if we're merely just fitting in with our partners, why would we experience true happiness and true fulfillment? Ask yourself, can I tell them when I'm really tired? Can I tell them that I feel like I need to be strong for you so that I don't feel like you're looking down on me? Can you tell them that you're really angry and you're really jealous because of your insecurity of the way that they're behaving around other people? 
without feeling like they're going to judge you or be angry with you? Can you honestly tell them that I think we're drifting apart, but I really, really love you and I want to make this work? Would you be able to work with me? Or do you want to work with me? Are these the kinds of conversations that you can have with your partner without the fear of rejection? And point number three, when you're able to be happy on your own. Now, I know this sounds really simple. However, I think this one really gets swept under the rug when people think of moving in together. It's easy to move in together when things are good. When you've just met each other, when there's tons of chemistry and you can't stop thinking about the other person, when you can't think about a single thing that that person could do wrong, right? It's so, so (laughs) important regardless of which stage you are in in a relationship, to be able to be happy on your own. And more so when you're thinking about moving in together. Reason why is because being able to be happy on your own also means being able to be sad on your own. Right? It comes hand in hand. We are most vulnerable when we are not able to be alone. Because then we are at the mercy of the other person to give us attention, to give us their time, their care, and their love. And I'm thinking and saying this from the point of view that we, I guess we're all asking this question of when when is the right time to move in together because we're scared of rejection, we're scared of failure, we're scared of the pain that might occur if we move in at the wrong time with the wrong person, right? So... Ultimately, no one can make you feel any way that you don't allow them to. No one can offend you if you don't allow their comments to offend you. And no one can make you angry if you don't allow what they say or what they do to interfere with how you feel. Does this mean that you shouldn't move in with someone until you have all your shit together? Unless, until you are emotionally healed from all of your scars and traumas? No, I'm not saying that, but it's very difficult to find your own happiness after you've moved in with someone if that's something that you didn't already know how to do. Because it's really easy to use the other person or rely on them to give you the happiness that you didn't know how to give yourself. So if you've ever experienced being single for a while or wanting a relationship really badly for a long time and you're thinking like, oh, how great would it be to be able to have to spend Christmas with someone, to be able to travel with someone, to do a couple goal things together. And a lot of people will also say this is that when I was looking and looking and searching for love, I couldn't find anything like everyone just didn't work. It was only until I stopped searching and I start focusing on myself that The guy of my dreams rocked up on my doorstep and knocked on the door, right? How many times have you heard that story before? It's because when you start learning to be happy on your own for yourself, regardless of what anyone else thinks or says, it's a very, very attractive energy to have. And let me share a secret with you. The most attractive trait that someone can have is happiness. When someone is so happy on their own, it's almost magnetic that everyone else wants to be around them, share a bit of that, share um, a piece of that pie as well. So 
being happy in your own is so, so important that even when you live in together, that you're able to shine bright on your own to keep attracting one another. Because we think about it this way, objectively, when you are picking a mate, right, you're picking a partner, are you going to choose the guy who is miserable and sad and is needy and is jealous Or are you going to pick the one who is confident and stable and happy on their own, who has their own shit going on for them? Chances is that most of us will pick guy number two, right? Those are really attractive traits. And just because you're not all there yet doesn't mean that we can't be aware of where we are and start putting in the work to get there, right? The reason why I've said that this is really important before moving in together is that if we can't work on that alone it's very difficult to work on it together. And that tends to be priority number two, three, four, and five, because now we've got somebody else that can fulfill our happiness for us. Momentarily, we don't have to work on our own happiness anymore. All right, and so in the, um, a lot of times you'll see that at the end of a relationship when people have lived in together and now they break up, they end up parting with very heavy dependencies on one another whether it's emotional whether it's habitual people rely on each other very much and they stop it's because they stop working on themselves i guess just to touch on another fear that most of us have i definitely had this as well moving in together is i felt like now i have to have my shit together and i can't make any more mistakes because now i have to perform at my best and show up as graceful especially for women we have this expectation of us that we are always graceful, we're always happy, we always have our shit together, and that's not the case, not for everyone, not for anyone. And that's in our male partners as well. No one should ever be expected to have all of their shit together all the time. Being able to show up the way that you are is a true testament of how much you accept yourself or who you are. For example, I've come to accept the fact that I have completely no sense of direction (laughs) and I've learned to laugh at myself for it. And that's something that I'm completely fine with showing up to my partner with. However, what I'm saying at the end of the day is do what you want, make, do your trials and make your errors in your life because that is your life. These experiences are yours to keep and to figure out how you will react to them by yourself right? So if I could leave you guys with one thing to take away today is that take it slow. If this person and this relationship means a lot to you, take it slow, give it time for them to get to know you, for you to get to know you, how you are in this relationship as well before you rush into things, before you move into things. Because when you give your relationship time to grow, you actually also give your partner a chance to show you how they support you during your tough times, how, they, how they're there for you and how do they cheer for you during your good times too. If you're thinking this is a relationship that you want to keep for a long time, it's worth investing the time to wait. Wait to see how they show up, not just for you, but for themselves. How do they take care of themselves? How do they celebrate their wins? How do they pick themselves up? How do they support others? And that's one of the most important parts as well, because you will be living with this person for all their, you know, all their great things and all their flaws as well. So you want to know if their flaws are something that you want to invite into your life. 
I hope this episode has inspired you to think of moving in with someone in ways that you haven't yet before or to even reflect on your own relationship of what do you know now about moving in together that you wish you knew before you did. So if you did enjoy this episode, guys, please share it with your friends and family. We'd love to have these kinds of conversations going around to see what you guys think as well. And you can find the Big Girl Things Instagram account at biggirlthings underscore podcast at biggirlthings underscore podcast on Instagram. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Until the next one, guys. Bye.